What's up, people? Welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host, and this is episode number 194. And uh, today we're talking to Scott Erickson, who wrote a book called Say Yes, subtitled Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. And this is a good book. Uh, If you've ever gone through a season in your life, or maybe you're in it right now, where you find yourself in a place where you never thought you'd be, and it's not really the best place. Well, you don't think it's the best place because you had this picture in your mind of what life was going to be like and what it was going to feel like, what it was going to be. And you wake up one day and you're like, I'm not in that place at all. And that's not even like in the cards anymore. And you have this this feeling of dread inside, especially if you're older. And I don't mean like, I mean like older, like, you know, your late 30s, early 40s, late 40s. And you're like, man, I'm supposed to have it together <laughs> by now, right? Have you ever felt that? I'm supposed to have it together. And it just feels like it's falling apart. Uh, This book is for you. Scott addresses some really good stuff. And we both kind of share in this episode our our mutual stories of when we felt like that dream kind of died. We found ourselves in this place sitting. uh, For me, it was on the bathroom floor. For him, it was uh, on the toilet, just feeling like your life is falling apart. Like everything that you thought it was going to be, it's not. And you're like, what am I going to do? And a really good episode, really good stuff that we talk about. So pick up this book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever it is that you buy your books. Uh, go there and, and buy it. My book is available on Amazon. That seems to be my segue every episode. As <laughs> I say, go buy the author, go buy the guest book. And by the way, go buy my book as well. It's available on Amazon. It's called Rethinking Everything. And uh, we explore the topics of hell. LGBTQ inclusion, biblical inerrancy, and the cross and atonement. I know, little, little topics we address in this book, and we just go right at it and uh, flip these things upside down and look at them, uh, look at them on their bellies, look at them on the other side, and uh, try to think about them a little bit differently than maybe many of us were brought up to. Uh, so, Rethinking Everything, available on Amazon. Just put it in Glenn's Seepert book, seems to be the best way to find it. It'll pop up. If you have bought it and you've read it, uh, please leave a review on Amazon. I'm told that helps algorithms, helps people find the book. So the more reviews there are, the better. Even if you hated the book, I don't care. Go go leave a comment anyway. I'll probably make a meme out of your comment if it's nasty. <laughs> it's just what I do. <laughs> I don't know. It just gives me a, a, a sense of, I don't know, some kind of sick satisfaction <laughs> to do that it, Makes me feel better. Anyway, but no, please, please go over there and uh, leave a review. I would love to read it. Even if you didn't like it, I I would like to know why. And uh, you're always welcome to email me as well. Happy to dialogue about the things that maybe didn't sit right with you or the things that did sit right with you and really impacted you. Uh, So you can email me, whatifproject.net at gmail.com. I'm a live person. I will answer you most of the time when I get the time. Might not be right away, but I try to get back to you within... Ah, like a week or so of getting an email. So uh, what else? What else do we have? What else do we have? Oh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash whatifproject, the place to go to support the show. And I got to tell you, the tiers, I've updated the tiers a little bit. Uh, so I'm going off memory here. Let me see if I can remember this. Three, $3 a month gets you um, early access to the blog posts that go up Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, $7 a month gets you early access to podcast episodes. So once a month, I will send you 
a video of an upcoming podcast episode before everybody else gets it. Uh, $12 a month gets you into our Marco Polo group. Uh, it's like a video chatting type thing. And then also into a Facebook Messenger group. We call it the Heretic Club. Now there's about 10, 12, I think 15. But there's like 10 that are really active in there. People, 10 or so. I don't remember the exact number. But anyway, we're all in there talking about stuff all day long. Sending ourselves, sending each other updates about life, questions we're wrestling with, things going on with Ukraine, all the different things. Everybody's talking about everything. And uh, it's just a real place of just mutual encouragement. And it's kind of like a, a family type thing. That's $12 a month. Uh, $20 a month gets you, it gets once a quarter, we sit down uh, via Zoom with a previous podcast guest. So in the past, we've had like Brian McLaren, uh, Diana Butler-Bass. They come on and actually talk to us over Zoom. They put a whole hour of their time aside. You can ask them questions about their work, about their book, about their faith, questions about God. Uh, and they are there to talk with you and uh, interact with you. And it's really, really fun. We do that once a quarter. And then uh, every then the $30 a month is every other month uh, you sit down with me, like the whole group of us, everybody who's $30 and higher sits down with me and we just talk. We might have a topic that we choose beforehand that we kind of dialogue through. Uh, we might have just kind of random Q&A. We might have just, let's just pick a topic on the fly and talk about it. But it's just a time where you grab your coffee, your favorite kind of drink, sit down and let's just talk about, about life and the, the hard stuff and the questions and different things like that. Uh, $40 a month. Some people have said, I just kind of want to give to the podcast. I don't want anything. Uh, so $40 a month is if you'd like to do that, that's there. Uh, $75 a month is the highest one. And that is uh, once every other month, or maybe once a month, I don't know, every month or every other month, whatever, one-on-one uh, -on -one with me. Not because I'm so great and fantastic, I'm not. Uh, but if you want to sit down with me over Zoom, or if you live locally, I'll meet you for coffee, and we'll just talk about whatever. I'll share with you about my life and my struggles, and you can share with me about yours. It'll be a therapy session for me. <laughs> And uh, we could just talk, or we could talk about the podcast, or talk about God, or faith, or whatever it is that's on your on your mind. So anyway, I'm trying to make these tiers, I told you that, because I'm trying to make these tiers much more intentional with community building. I want people to be able to be involved with other people. So whether you want to really interact at a high level, like on a everyday level, like on the Facebook group, and you want to be really interacting with people, maybe you just kind of want to be more, a little bit more at a distance, but still get plugged in like every... Every couple of months, get plugged into the, the Zoom chat with the author or every other month, the Zoom chat with me, uh, whatever it is, is. There's something there, I'm hoping, for everybody to feel more connected. Because a lot of people say that when they leave the church, they feel like they lose that sense of community. And so I'm trying to use this virtual world that we have to build some kind of community with the people who have gathered in the lifeboat of the What If Project. And uh, there's so many unique voices. And so I think the it's so much better when we can bring everybody together to share. Like we had, we had a, a conversation this past uh, Saturday about my book for $30 patrons and higher. And it was really good. And I talked a little bit because people asked me some questions and stuff like that. But I, I like to just, I like to sometimes just be quiet and let other people talk too. And uh, you'll notice that with the podcast, I try not to talk over people. And some of the things that people are saying, I'm like, oh, 
I never even thought of that. Where, where were you when I wrote the book? <laughs> That's a really good idea. I could have put that in the book. But people have so many good things to share because everybody has their own experience and they bring it to the table. And I think that's such a such a good thing to do is just to let people use their voice and share their stories. And so I'm trying to use this podcast and this Patreon platform in particular to do that. And so if that's something you want to be part of, patreon.com slash project. And here's the thing. If there's ever something you see come up on social media, like a Zoom chat, whatever coming up, and you're not a patron... I don't care. If you want to be a part of it, just email me or shoot me a Facebook message or whatever. And I'm going to send you the Zoom link. I'm not going to say no. Sorry, you have to go and sign up. I don't care. There's so many people who have joined different conversations who are not Patreon supporters. I don't care. If you're looking for community, but you can't support, don't want to support whatever, that's fine. I have no, no issues with it. I really want you to be part of these things any way that you that you can. So anyway, this is long enough. What is it? We're at nine minutes. I gotta shut up. Shut up, Glenn. Let's roll the tape. Episode number 194. All the links are in the show notes. Enjoy the conversation with Scott Erickson. Scott the painter. Peace. I can feel such a forward deal on my last meal. Crack the seal. So much I can take. Gotta take a meal. Constant battle. Got so many wounds. Hope they start to heal. It's getting real. It's getting real, yeah. Seems like I'm a crab in a bucket. It'll take a while before I catch one buffer. Uh, feeling like I'm living robotic. Once I get the chance, I'm a living iconic. Always catch me on my high, ain't gon' never see me low. High above the cloudy skies, yeah, I'm focused on this growth. Nothing up to involve, ain't gon' never see me fall. Oh, my brother, get out soon, and this yeah. world is getting cold. Cutting head, taking college courses on Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we're sitting down with my friend Scott Erickson, who wrote a great book called Say Yes. And it's subtitled Discover the Surprising Life Beyond the Death of a Dream. He's been doing some incredible things in the world. I'm excited to share him with you, hear more of his story. So Scott, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. So before we jump into your book, um, tell us a little bit about Scott Erickson, because I mentioned it before we hit record, but I didn't really know too much about you until I got this book. Then slowly my Instagram feed started like filling up with people sharing your stuff. And mm-hmm. like I said, your publisher must be doing a fantastic marketing job because your stuff is all over my feeds, but maybe tell us a little bit about you and your journey. Who are you? What do you do? All the things. Yeah. Well, I make my living as a professional artist, which is a, a mystery unfolding. Uh, when I tell that to people, they're like, I don't know what that means. So I, I do a lot of things to make something, which is uh, I'm a, I'm a illustrator painter um, known as Scott, the painter on all the socials. So I make paintings. Um, is that your stuff behind you there? Any of that stuff on the wall? Um, some of the things this, that those hands, I think, I think the hands, right? Illustration. Yeah. These are gifts that people send me. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, I, this lady, she was willing to do like a crochet thing and I, we, yeah. And this guy sent me a quote. Anyway, anyways, anyway, my, my studio <laughs> is mostly collected stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I could kind of show you, like, I have like a lot of, oh, there we go. Stuff all on the walls and things like yeah. that. So take us on yeah. a tour. No, just kidding. <laughs> take us on a tour. Yeah. <laughs> I get that all the time. People are like, please show us like your studio space and run through Do a walk that, and talk. <laughs> that obviously is Banksy, but you know, <laughs> um, so I, I'm an illustrator painter mm-hmm. and I sell work that way. Uh, I'm an author and this is my fourth book, which has been a great journey of bookmaking that I'd like to keep doing throughout mm-hmm. my life. And then, um, I'm a speaker performing artist. So I have a show, 
uh, I've had a few shows that I do kind of like a s- weird storytelling um, comedy art show that uh, try to make something for my ADD brothers and sisters <laughs> all over. And that's And uh, yeah, and that's what I talk about. I, I'm not setting out to be like a, a spiritual leader. I just mm-hmm. think all kind of conversations involve spiritual conversations. And so uh, I'm, you know, it's my practice and my framework, but uh, I want to be very inclusive in everything that I do, but mm-hmm. understand that there are a series of sacred stories and, and a tradition that I grew up in that's very formative for me. So it's kind of how I understand a lot of things. So um, I, de- I deeply care about people's uh, spiritual formation and their lives. However, that is taking shape for them and sure. want to be alongside them as a help and a guide. So uh, that's kind of a summary of my work. I live in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. which is a new city. We moved here at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Cause like when we sold our house or put it up for on market, it was like COVID was on cruise ships, you know, it was like kind of a thing, but not really Still stay there. Yeah. Whatever. And then, and then by the time we were moving out, it was like, Oh no, we shouldn't be moving right now. Um, but uh, yeah. So I'm getting to know Austin still after almost a couple of years, but uh, I got three kids and a wife and um, I navigate all of that. It's great. That's, that's awesome. So what is your like faith tradition? Like you said, you, kind of dabble your work kind of dabbles in faith and brings things together but like what is your particular tradition that you grew up with yeah i would i'm kind of an ecumenical mutt right now um <laughs> i grew up lutheran um lutheran brethren which is like a s- smaller subset of lutheranism um kind of evangelical really missions oriented um you know the bible is their favorite thing more than god and uh, that kind of thing <laughs> The so fourth I, member of the Trinity, right? <laughs> yeah, but the but the headship of it, right? Um, and so I grew up in uh, under the Protestant tradition, okay. um, which still works for me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a I've always been a visual learner mm-hmm. and uh, and a visual artist, so mm-hmm. a difficult tradition to be in because there's no visual vocabulary yeah. and. Uh, so I just felt like a weirdo for most of my life <laughs> until I like, and actually it was like when I left after I graduated high school, I went and lived in Europe for a year. Hmm. Um, I worked with this uh, lifetime friend I'd known and we lived three blocks from a cathedral and mm-hmm. I spent every day at that cathedral for like nine months. Mm-hmm. And I had a dramatic effect on me going, Oh, I just am in like kind of the wrong tradition. <laughs> like there's actually, there's actually been people like me for a long time. Right. Uh, and I, we could get into like the, the schism between like what Protestantism was moving away from and kind of the, maybe too far of a swing it did by kind of losing any kind of visual aspect of it. Sure. But uh, I'm, I really, my, it says it on my website, but I'm really interested in creating a visual vocabulary for the spiritual journey. Mm. And that's, that's what I've been building over the last few years. It's just like, we're all kind of going through some kind of thing, transformation experiences. And then what are the images that are associated with those words and those stories, those, those things that we say, um, because you can't use a cross for like everything, you know, mm-hmm. it can't be hope and forgiveness and, you know, resurrection. Cause that's not even what it is. <laughs> the tomb is a resurrection. Right. Um, it, so it's like, we need other images associated with that. So that's kind of what I've been building or what I'm interested in building has been making that kind of stuff. Sure. So I'd mentioned before that, like a lot of our listeners are kind of in that place of 
deconstruction. And I'm curious, like, is there anything, did you ever, did you go through a season of like deconstruction? Do you have anything that you had to like rethink from your past that you were like, aha, like, I don't know if this really fits yeah. for me anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it happened cliche wise in my kind of mid thirties. I mean, mm -hmm. I think there's, I think there are, uh, in these last few years, I think there's been a great, it's been apocalyptic in a way, meaning apocalypse means uncovering. So sure. there's been a lot of uncovering and we've just called bull, uh, BS on a lot of stuff. Say it. It's all good. Bullshit. I it don't is. know. You know, drop it. To, like it's hot. <laughs> I can, I can bring the curse words if you need to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so we call the bullshit on a lot of it. So there's mm -hmm. that kind of uncovering, but I also think there's just like, uh, there's a typical thirties <laughs> thing stop working for you. Right. And how I would describe it is like, um, it, and it's uh, Rohr said, Richard Rohr, Dickie mm -hmm. Rohr says, uh, you know, often love or suffering are the things that are going to transform us. And unfortunately, like I had a number of friends die at young ages mm -hmm. and, I, I realized that my practices, my spiritual practices, meaning the, the way in which I uh, lived and said the narrative of what life is like stopped working in the mm. face of some immense suffering. And, uh, and as I kind of took stock of that, for me, at least, and look, I'm an Enneagram four and an artist, I think about dying a lot and, you know, deep things. I'm very emotional, but like, <laughs> I was just like, Hmm, it feels like the tradition I grew up in is really obsessed about heaven and end times yeah. because it's actually very uncomfortable with this life. Mm -hmm. And like, it's really focused on the afterlife because it almost doesn't know what to do with the craziness of this life. Yeah. And I was like, does my faith practice have anything to do with being here? And Richard Rohr, or Franciscanism really helped me because there, Franciscan, the way he summarized it said that um, the, the physical world is the doorway to the spiritual world. And the spiritual mm -hmm. world is much, much longer. What that is saying is like, sure, there's a larger reality, something we can't see. Mm -hmm. It's only accessible through this reality. Um, and I felt like, and I don't, I'm glad about the church I grew up in and that it's, it was really helpful for me, but I, mm -hmm. I think culturally there was this, like, let's just bypass this and can't wait to get to that. Um, and whereas this was inviting me and going, this is the only way to experience that it's that is entering into this. It's like when Jesus says, you know, um, you fed me, you gave me water when I was thirsty. And they're like, when he's like, when you did it to the least of these and some kind of way of interacting with people in life now it's opening a portal to something deeper. Yeah. And um, the, f I think, 14th century mystic uh, Meister Eckhart said, if God, if God's goal was to get us into heaven, he would have never made the earth, you know? Mm. And that yeah. kind of saying like, we're here for a reason. This yeah. is the thing we're supposed to say yes to, which is kind of tied in with the book a bit. Mm -hmm. So I had, to, I had to develop different practices, a way mm. in which I interacted with the world, the narratives I told about reality, and, you know, one of the things that I'd like to say about the conversation about deconstruction, mm -hmm. because I just went through a home renovation, um, <laughs> you only deconstruct if you love something. Yes. If you want right. to burn the whole thing down, you're not deconstructing. You're just moving on. You're just mm -hmm. exploding it and moving on. But to deconstruct at the heart of it means I love, I'm, I'm intending to live here. Just what's got built on top of it is 
now becoming harmful and we yeah. have to remove and we have to take some of those things down because yeah. they're getting in the way. Yeah. And I, I would say that I, so you could say deconstructing or my friend Brad Jersak says like restoration. Yeah. We're trying to restore something because we, we knew, we know it's beautiful and yeah. it just got ugly. So um, I really had to, yeah, these practices I developed was, you know, saying, hey, everybody, you know, this is this world, this reality is what I have to, this is where God wants me to engage. Yeah. This is this is the world I'm living in. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember whispering at a time prayer, prayer wise, and uh, just I was like, where do I find you in the world? And I heard the spirit say to me, look for me and everybody you meet, I'm hiding out there. And yeah. that has been, <laughs> that has been a tremendous invitation. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've met people. Uh, there's a lot of people who are are not fun. Yeah. And, yeah no, 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 no. <laughs> if you can imagine. Uh, it's, it's a real humbling and transformational work yeah. to to yeah. to to notice and 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 look for the divine uh, image in each person. Um, yeah. it, but it's the invitation that is working for me and works, I think. So, yeah, my friend, That's a bit uh, of my story. Yeah, you, my friend uh, Alexander John Shy. Have you heard of him? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's a, he's a really good friend of mine. He's been teaching me a lot about like the mystical Christ and just this idea. Can, can he be my friend too? I'd like to be friends with. Let's him. all be friends together. <laughs> let's, let's plan a hangout. I would love to meet him. He's, he's tremendous. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe we can do a side note. If we could do an episode together, all three of us, that'd be. Oh that'd my be gosh. Fun. That'd be that'd a lot of fun. Great. I yeah. can just let you guys talk and I'll just listen. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he's talking about the mystical Christ, just this idea that, you know, the Christ is in all of us and that's what makes us one. I think yeah. that when you're able to see, if I'm able to see Christ in you, it makes it a lot harder for me to put my finger at you. It makes it a lot yeah. harder for me to blame you, a lot yeah. harder for me to come down on you because I see in you the same thing I see in myself. And I think that yes. creates the inner connection. But something totally. you said earlier, um, just about that idea of, you know, I, I grew up evangelical as well. And so just this obsession with like the end times. And I remember yeah. in my room, I had a chart. Everybody had the chart. You know, I had a, the end times chart with like kind of oh. mapping out all the <laughs> oh all different things. And I like pretty much had it memorized. Oh my God. I right? forgot I had that. Oh yeah. You had it. Of wow. Course. And had all different colors <laughs> on it and like all different things in the Middle East did that I, were happening. Did I get that from a breakaway magazine? What happened? I, don't, I, don't, I think I might've made my own. <laughs> Oh my I, I was that obsessed. Was but it pre-trib? It was pre-trib, right? Not had to be. Had to be. Okay. Had to be. Yeah. That's the only way. Right. right. Anyway, sorry, I, keep going. No, I was sitting in seminary class and I remember this was like mid thirties. I was in a D-min program and I was just starting to like really rethink things in my head. I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I wonder if we're so obsessed with like the possible second coming of Christ because we weren't all that impressed with the first coming. That really struck me, Whoa. right? Because amen I, and amen. Oh yeah, my gosh. The first coming and he came to, you know, he brought love and grace and inclusion, all these different things. But the second coming is apparently he's going to be on a horse with a sword, killing people, doing all this stuff. I'm like, maybe we didn't like that first Jesus very much. They're hoping that the second Jesus is going to come and kind of cater more to our human needs. And that was a really, that was like a aha moment for me that like, I don't think all this stuff I've got swimming in my head is really the oh, best friend. I think yeah. I, I haven't completely, I just, I think I, I didn't chicken out. I just was like, Oh, I didn't have time to put this into it, but I've been thinking about like the 
how has the church, the American church just seemed so asinine during the season. And I, I think it's because it, it doesn't actually like the power that it got, which is the, the deepest power in the universe is forgiveness. And that's what we're touched. That's why we have crosses on our churches. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wants the power of controlling the narrative. So you have these Christians are like, we won't get COVID because God will protect us because we believe. And now we're superheroes. And it's like, I don't think you, know that that's not the power you get by <laughs> by believing in god and actually <laughs> it's really telling about actually what the power you want in the world yeah. is yeah it's a very oh my gosh it's, that is so good and i know i'm not to tie in the book because mm-hmm. uh but say yes you know started as a talk and a show um and it still is a show but like that's one of the things that i realized i was like because i wanted to talk about suicide um, yeah. the spectrum of suicide. And I was like, oh, obsessing about when Jesus. So suicide, a suicidal ideation conversation is about you're trying to control a pain you don't feel you have in control of. Mm-hmm. And and deciding whether or not you want to be here is like your ultimate control. Like yeah. it's one way to go. I can control all this stuff is happening to me. I'm not in control. I can control something. And then I was like, oh, being obsessed with end times is the exact same thing. It's like you're in a pain you yeah. don't feel like you have control over, which is the pain of being here, right. the mystery of existing. Yeah. And the way you can try to control it is control what's after existing, the yeah. afterlife. Because hmm. it's like, well, I don't know about this, but I know afterwards I'm going to win or right. I'm on the winning side. <laughs> right. And I was like, shit. I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh. It's suicide is escapism end times obsession is escapism. And then I was like, whoa, a lot of the religious tradition I or culture that I've partaken in because the real obsession with the end times came in like the seventies. But like, I was like, oh man, this is all about kind of dealing with the mystery, the painful mystery of being here. And that's when it really hit me about like, I need to, I want to have a conversation about giving up or suicide or ending because I was like, it's, a human thing. It's a religious thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's this, it's very, it's a very deep conversation on multiple levels, but yeah, man, I'm going to think about what you just said about, we didn't like his first coming. So we're hoping <laughs> for a second one. That's more along the lines of what we like that. <laughs> dude. I have some people. We I could talk that, a long. We could talk a long time about that. That could be an episode. That could be episode two. That could be part okay. two of our, okay. of our talk. Because well, I I'm mentioned working that on I'm, some. I'm working on something that's about that. So oh, I don't want to quite reveal it, but like, yeah, I'm working on something that's about that. So there you great, go. Great yeah, I mentioned that on social media once, and some people liked it, and a lot of people didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> because it reflects what we're hoping to get out of the whole yes, thing. Yes. Yes. Exactly. exactly. And I don't say that trying to like shit on. No. I just I, because I say it because I'm like. Dude, I'm always wrestling with wanting to be powerful. And I see that in myself. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I see it in myself and yep. I'm like, oh, that is confronting. Yep. That is very confronting. Yep. 100%. Yeah. All right. So your book. You're Say welcome, yes. everybody. It's a free podcast. You're welcome. That's it. <laughs> Say yes. Uh, give us the elevator pitch of this book. Yeah. Who is really... your target audience? Oh, give us I'm a good. short you're in an uber and the guy says hey what do you do so i wrote a book and you're almost at your stop and uh you're gonna he says what's your book about you got like two minutes to tell him. 
I go, so there's this prayer, this obscure prayer in the old Testament, but if you pray it, God will give you wealth and, and larger territory. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That was prayer of Jabez by Bruce Wilkinson. Um, wrong book, man. I'm really bad at this. I don't, it's really, it's a complex book, but the, yeah. I think the core is, is like, we're all gonna, like all of us have had an experience where I would frame it as like a dream dies, some yeah. idea of like how life was, how we were going to turn out. It doesn't come that way. Mm -hmm. And, and what's hard in that moment is that there's this voice of fear. I call it the voice of giving up mm -hmm. that's pushing against us to keep going or pursuing or moving on. And I'm, and I want, and I had to develop our counter arguments to that voice and, and practices, mental health and spiritual practices that I implement in my life. And they have really transformed me and I still do them today. Yeah. So I wanted to discuss the voice of giving up. What happens when things end? Is there something on the other side? What's the surprise about the other side of a death of a dream? Yeah. And how can we, because I really think we live in a, a, a really difficult culture now that we need real specific life-giving practices to help us keep engaging with the gift and miracle of our life yeah. that we're being presented with. And that, and it's an illustrated guide along that conversation. It's really good. So that was like, if we were like three or four blocks from our destination, it's I think. It's good I enough. It. You would have had to stay in the car for maybe a minute, but you were good. Uh, we just sat there. He turned around and we like talked That's to right. him. I was like, it was great. Thanks. Here's a tip. Thank you very much. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh man, you and I are so much alike. We have the same kind of humor. I like it. That's great. But uh, the 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 book, the origins of the book, um, kind of were birthed were birthed in a, in a toilet bowl, right? That's kind of yeah. what you talk about in the book. Wondering yeah. if you could, without giving away too much of the story, if you could take us back to that to that moment. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners would kind of feel it's that. right. It's right at the beginning, but like I yeah. I had this moment where uh, I put my kids to bed one night and I walked out of their bedroom and I noticed I was crying, not because of any like kind of magical bedtime story. I just, <laughs> some, something was happening to me yeah. and I tried to stop crying and I couldn't, it got deeper and deeper. And I was just like looking for a, a place by myself. And I made my way to our only bathroom, this little bathroom mm -hmm. off the kitchen. And I just sat on the toilet and I just cried for like an hour. My wife found me. She's like, are you okay? What happened? I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, do you want to talk about anything? I was like, my tears are me talking about it. I don't, I don't know what's happening to me. Yeah, yeah. And with some time and reflection, I realized what I would say is like a dream was dying, that there had mm -hmm. been this idea or revelation about what, like for me, it was about a revelation about who I wanted to be in the world. And I yeah. felt really far from that. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of grieving the loss and death of a dream. Um, like, it's like my body, it's like physiologically and psychologically, my body knew I needed to let it die. Yeah. And I was just grieving it. It was making me grieve it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and there's sometimes where you're aware of what you need to grieve. And then there's sometimes you're just like, oh, I have to get over this. Like It just hits you. It's something subconscious. And um so, but I knew I wanted to, I kind of identified who I, what kinds of things I wanted to be doing. And so mm -hmm. I was about to turn 40 and I had kids and it was like more complicated, but I was like, I guess I got to start pursuing this way of being in the world, this kind of vocation and stuff. And immediately I was confronted with these voices and these like three arguments that are in the book. Yeah. Um, the T-Rex. And then I, and I gave it, <laughs> so I did this like work of personifying it and I call it a T-Rex of giving up. 
from an obscure scene in Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. (laughs) Um, But feels really interesting about like a, it feels true about the voice of giving up, which is like, you're in your bed at night and then you look out your window and there's this huge, massive monster. Yeah that's looking at you and it's like, well, I was just thinking, I was just psyching myself for trying tomorrow morning. And that monster's like, no, give no. up. It's not worth it. <laughs> and it's kind of like that voice that's present in your life. And so I developed these like counter arguments, these practices. And, and that's, uh, and then wanted, you know, they're very simple. The book could have been very small, mm-hmm. but I noticed that these conversations led to deeper conversations mm-hmm. about existence. And if there's a giver of existence, yeah. like I, I say in the beginning, I'm like, we all know that life is a miracle. Like we, we have data for that, mm-hmm. but what happens when the miracle sucks? And if there's a giver of that miracle, does the giver have anything to say about the suckiness? Yeah. And I wanted to know if in these conversations about you know keep going perseverance not giving up on yourself is there also like a spiritual conversation about what is the nature of being what is the what is the gift of incarnation is it a gift is it a curse is god alongside us is god vacant from our goings and and happenings Mm. is is life co-creative or should we just assume it's we're on our own and it's all up to us um has anybody else gone through this? These are the things I wanted to like, that I thought had to be discussed alongside this because when I was dealing with some real mental health and suicidal ideation, my therapist was like, you need to start a physical activity. You need to like get your body going it helps. Mm -hmm. And it did. And I started this running routine, but I remember on one of those runs, I was like, I feel better, but why the hell am I running? Like who, what is the, why should I feel better? Like, is it worth feeling better for, (laughs) you know? And so I bumped up against these existential questions. And that's where I was like, this show and this book are about like, hey, there are really practical things you can do to like pursue a new vocation or reinvent yourself or all that stuff. But in that process, you're going to bump up against like, well, who the hell am I? And, and where did I come from? And is existence a gift or a curse and is benevolence behind me or is, or or do I just, do I should not expect anything? And these are the deeper things we have to ask and talk about. And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. That's really good. I found myself resonating a lot with that story. And I wanted to tell you my own toilet bowl story. That's great with you. (laughs) So I'm just going to call it the toilet bowl story (laughs) and get you to respond to it. But um, I had worked for, for Apple uh, for 11 years in uh, various retail stores uh-huh. uh, in New Jersey and North Carolina. But the, the, the last Apple store that I worked at is actually the last two that I worked at uh, was about an hour and a half from home uh, with traffic in the morning rush hour, talking like two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. Wow. And so when the pandemic hit, everybody at Apple started to work, to work at home. Yeah. And uh, I began to realize like how much time I missed with my wife and my daughter who was, was two at the time. You know, being gone 12 hours a day, like, obviously you're like, duh, obviously. But when you do it every day, it just kind of becomes, becomes your norm. And so I just have responsibilities to take care of them. And, you know, yeah, I get it. Exactly. So like 11 years and I got all my benefits, I got all the stocks. I mean, it's like, this is just what I need to do in order to take care of my family. But then I decided like, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And so 18 months after the pandemic started, uh, Apple started calling people in my role back to the store. And uh, when they did, I, I quit, put in my notice and I quit. Wow. And I tried really hard. Like I'm talking for about a year 
to to find like a permanent uh, at home role. But with the volume of people who are applying for these roles, it was just was it going to work? Like they would say like a a role would open and they would get maybe two to three thousand people who would apply for this role. So you, your resume just kind of gets lost in the mix. Wow. And so it yeah, just yeah, wasn't yeah. going to work. And so I, I quit my job. And I got a job at a local Starbucks uh, about 10 minutes from my home. So I figured if I got to leave my home, if I can't get a remote job, I'd rather yeah. work closer to home, you know, than, yeah. than far away. Yeah. But then on my second day at Starbucks, to make a long story short, I found myself in the bathroom at Starbucks having this major anxiety attack, which I haven't had in, yeah. I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years. And I'm on the floor not even on the toilet. I didn't make it to the toilet. I got on the floor <laughs> and I'm literally crying my eyes out. And I called my wife and I said, I, she was like, what's the matter? I'm like, I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't, I can't do this job. I don't want to do this job. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this isn't it. Like I was, I'm 39 years old. Like I, I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And I had been doing this podcast at that time for like three years. Um, I got my demon degree two years before that. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of things like I wanted to write things. I wanted to create stuff I wanted to do, but like you said, also, I also have bills to pay. And so like, yeah. I have like, I have responsibilities. Yeah. And I remember sitting on that bathroom on the floor, feeling like whatever I'm going to do when I walk out that door, whether I'm going to go back behind the counter and just suck it up or I'm going to go and I'm going to quit. Like, is this going to define whatever the next season of my life, you know, it's going to be. Yeah. And so with my wife's support, I, I hung up the phone I went to find the manager, you know, face all wet from tears and everything else. And I, I just quit on the spot. And uh, I came home feeling incredibly defeated, like incredibly crushed. I didn't know what I was going to do. But as the days kind of turned into weeks and, the, you know, the smoke began to settle, uh, I talked to my wife a lot. And she said, you know, maybe, maybe this is what we need, you know, in order to get into the next season of our lives, whatever that's going to be. And she yeah. ended up getting a part-time job at a salon and she loves that. Um, yeah. I stay home with our daughter until like 1.30 when she gets home. And then I come down okay. here and I do the, do the podcast and I have like yeah. three or four social yeah. media gigs that I picked up yeah. over the last few months. So it brings in some, some income and stuff. And yeah, I self-published a book and I just kind of really, I just released that on Amazon. And so what I'm saying is that like Congrats. on the bathroom floor, thank you on the bathroom floor at Starbucks, like it felt like it was all over. Like it was just yeah. spiraling out of control. You know, like you said, the T-Rex is out there screaming all these different things at me. But in reality, as I look back now, and it's still still very fresh, it really was the birth of something new. Um, yeah. In life. Like the dream I thought was ending, but it was really just beginning. Yeah. And so your, yeah. your book, the whole time I'm reading your book, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Like this, <laughs> this is it. Like this is exactly what was happening. You were putting so many words on my feelings. So I just wanted yeah. to share that with you. You were literally saying response. yes. You're like, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's tremendous. Um and I'm glad my work could corroborate what was already happening to you. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Um, I was just on a conversation with a friend just a few hours ago, and he mentioned this book called um, The Grace in Dying. Mm. Uh, and it's this woman who did like hospice care work, but she's, she said, uh, and this is a new concept, so I'm still mulling it today. And I was like, oh, I wish I read that book before I finished my book because that <laughs> would have been helpful. Because, because what I... What I say about when I thought about trying to do something new at my age that I was yeah. at, I was like, my, my initial thought was like, that sounds embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Sounds embarrassing to try to do something when you're supposed to be at the age of mastery. Oh yeah. And, yeah. um, 
she, but what she was saying is that what happens in hospice care, when you lose kind of control of your body and you have to let other people control, help you. And this, I mentioned this about Bronnie Ware's book, Five Regrets of the Dying, mm -hmm. which is the one I read. Um, there's like, there is this like death of, it's, it's the path of embarrassment. It's the yeah. path of being humbled, kind of maybe you could even say the death of the ego, yeah. which is just like your, the imagined version of yourself has to yeah. die in order to get to like the things that are possible that in say yes is kind of like, what's the gift on the other side of a death is I think a new way of seeing everything yeah. and, a, and a new possibilities and stuff. But you have to go through that, like death of the version of myself. Yeah. which I actually think what the death of a dream is, it's not necessarily about like not getting that thing or not getting that degree or not doing, it's more about the death of the version of yourself that didn't have any weaknesses or limitations, that yeah. kind of per per perfected version that you hope to be. And like, that's not, but that has to get out of the way in order to come in order to get to what's inviting us to today. Yeah. I, I, cause in the last section of the book, I talk about, kind of having a death practice. And I think it's, you know, that's very Enneagram for an artist and being obsessed with death and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But like, it's more about like, I can see that people who are in hospice care and other things, they say there's a wisdom at the end of life about people in their regrets and stuff like that. And I want to take that wisdom and apply it to my life today. Yeah. Like I would like with the, with the hopefully many more decades I still have, I would like to apply that wisdom where you go, I wish I would have lived my life this way because I can see now that that's the way to live life best. I want to take yeah. that now. And so I have like a series of kind of death practices, which just means I remind myself that I'm, I'm going to lose things. Yeah. I'm going to lose my kids. Hopefully, hopefully not before I die. Cause that's the worst. And there's a long history of parents who, including in the Bible, who marry Eve, they've all lost their kids before they died. Yeah. Um, and I, so, but I, what, sometimes in the morning when I know I have a lot of kids stuff and I'm not looking forward to it, I'll just go, what if this is my last day with them? Yeah. What if I lose one of them tomorrow? Yeah. How would I treat them if I knew that I wasn't going to see them again? It just reminds me of how I want to be in the world, how I want to care and love things. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow and then you were going to go out to lunch with somebody, even if it was like a shitty burger, you'd be like this burger is amazing <laughs> yeah, you would be like this burger is a gift Give me a and second. then you, yeah. would, you would get in your car and you'd see the sun reflecting off the glass in your car and you'd be like the light is such a gift and mm. you would hear birds singing be like what a gift and you would smell something in the air even if it was exhaust fume be like smelling is a gift even if it's something bad you would just see that everything is a gift so what is the difference between everything's a fucking curse to everything's a gift. It's all how you see it. It's all in your relationship to how soon it's all going to be taken away from you. And the closer you get to, it's all going to be taken away from me. You get closer to seeing it as a gift. This is why I think Jesus says like, you got to die so you can really live. Yeah. Like you have to let the ego die. Let the person, like this is the process of letting that go. So you can enter into the gift of living. Yeah. Um, and this is, I'm not saying I do this successfully every day, 
but I do know I'm invited to practice this. This is something I want to keep practicing. Um, so yeah, I love it. I love it that there's an unexpected life, a a book plug, a surprising life on the other side of a death of a dream (laughs) on the other side of a death of something that's, and that's, that is the surprise is like, Oh, there's something unforeseen after all of this. That's right. I just had to go through that really painful either on the toilet or the bathroom floor. Um, to, to, uh, to be transformed into getting to that space. Yeah. I mean, Alexander Shia talks about, you know, the idea of the, the holy darkness, just how, mm. you know, like the womb of Mary is dark and out yeah. of that dark womb wasn't the end, but it was just the beginning. And then so often when we hit those dark times, we think we're at the end, but we're really in a womb. And yeah. The womb is about to birth something new. I think if you can keep that perspective, right. I love it. I so love good. it. What a so great- good. What a great metaphor. So good. So good. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're nearing the end of our time. Yeah. Uh, but really quick, last question for the person who's listening, who finds themselves in that bathroom moment where they're, they don't know what's next. Yeah. They don't know what's going on. It feels like things are coming down. What yeah. is your, if they're on the mic today, what's something you would say to them? Well, my friend Nadia says this. She's like, 100% of us are not doing well right now. So, like, 110% of us. Are we're doing. kind of like all there in, in some the collective ways. bathroom. <laughs> I, one of the things, so in my lowest moment that I've ever had in my life, which was a moment where I just, I had, I, uh, all my plans ran out, yeah. all my options had run out. I, found myself as a, a human man in a family, the breadwinner of family being jobless and optionless and having no idea what to do next, like nothing. Yeah, yeah. And it was really disheartening. And then um, if I can take like a few minutes to tell a story, Please, uh, yeah. I found myself, I, I did get a friend emailed me and I was like, Hey, I need, I'm doing a video. He's like a YouTuber. Could you make something for me? Like a, there was like this light up sign. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I found myself at Home Depot and I ran into this guy, Cameron, that I know from, this is when I lived in Portland Mm -hmm. from creative projects. Cameron has long hair, a beard. He's a carpenter. He's very, and he runs a home church. Very, he's like sneakily messianic as like (laughs) what I like to say. And he asked me about my week and, uh, and I was like, honestly, it's been real shitty. I just, I've had a really bad, I'm really lost. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I feel like God wants to say something to you. And look, I I'm always up for the magic of life, but a lot of times when people say that, I'm like, maybe it's just a lot of your own projection, but sure. (laughs) I'm up for it. And, um, I was working. It's not, I mean, it's important, but it's, we don't have to get into the deals. I was working with like restoring a relationship with a past employer Mm -hmm. and that didn't work out. Uh, he, so he goes, "I, I hear God saying that he sees where you're at and knows it's completely, uh, and knows it's really painful. Mm-hmm. And also that you've been obedient, restoring that past relationship, even though you're not going to go and work there. And I didn't tell Cameron about the past relationship. Sure. And that just like brought me to tears mm-hmm. in the nuts and bolts aisle at Home Depot. After mm-hmm. I, you know, cried for like a few seconds and I was just like, man, that means a lot. Thank you. And then I was like, well, what are you doing here? Are you here for anything? What are you here to get? And he goes, I'm nothing. <laughs> he goes, I was driving by with my wife and I sensed the spirit tell me to go just sit. And I've just been waiting. Oh, here. Like, 
20 minutes. <laughs> and uh, so he walked out with me. I said hi to his wife in her car. And then I went, I drove home and I, I remember thinking about it going, what I'm, what I'm looking for right now is some kind of plan. Yeah. Like, what is the plan of my life? Because mm -hmm. all my plans have run out. And then the giver of my life through a kind of miraculous meeting with a friend said to me, I see where you're at and I know it's painful. Yeah. And then that's it. And didn't go. And so here's what's next. So in that moment, I just, I said, and I said, okay, well, I guess what's the only conversation I can have by being here? Yeah look, I don't, I would never want to get in debate with somebody about this, but like kind of my running theory is like, if God, if Jesus wants me somewhere else, I would be mm. like, and that's maybe a little too simplistic for the complexity of the universe we live in, but it's kind of a running theory. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm here, then what does here uniquely allow me to ask? Yeah. And as I sat and I got quiet with that, the question that came up at that time was, oh, am I still called to be an artist? Am I still, like, not as a person, but like as a vocation? Because I had been a vocational artist for a while and, and then moved on to some other jobs where I did creative work, but I sure. wasn't like a full-time artist, self-employed. Yeah. And the answer was yes. And then I was like, oh, wow. So then I started taking steps to do that. I, and that was the, like, why I'm even on this conversation with you right now is yeah. because of that moment. Because yeah. that moment led to, really like obscurity and that hard place led me to go, well, what do you want to talk about? And I got really specific about how I wanted to approach being an artist. Mm -hmm. And I still, look, I was on, my wife and I were on food stamps like seven years ago. Like, it's not like we didn't go through like some, you know, when you sign up to be an artist, you're, you're mostly thrifty. <laughs> like, <laughs> but now things have worked out really well for us. We got smart about building businesses. We put time into stuff. It's all a learned skill, yeah. but what I would want to encourage somebody is saying like, just because you're in a painful spot does not mean that you went down the wrong track. Yeah. You ended up at a dead end. It might be the thing that prepares you to get to the only conversation that you can have by being in that situation, That's it. which is the deepest desire in you That's and right. what you have maybe because of fear, not been paying attention to. Yeah. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I know there's can be a lot of disappointment in life. I know a lot of things don't work out a lot of things you're not in control of for sure, mm. for sure, for sure, for sure. But I think the surprise of life and only noticed in retrospect is like those things often become the way in which we bring the most light into the world. Yeah. Right. Um, it helps us give a prospectus. It helps us keep, it keeps us vulnerable, which is the only pathway to connecting to each other and God and the universe. Um, so yeah, there's lots of things like that. Um, yeah. That's what I would say. That's what I would say. I think, and collectively, we're out of time. Like, I'm not making any predictions, but in the next, a lot of things are going to change in the next few months from yeah. what I've been hearing and stuff like that. Mm. And before we just move into like, let's just get back to the rat race of everything. Yeah, I think we. I think on the other side of this death of a dream, this collective pandemic is is to ask ourselves, well, what can we uniquely do because of this? And yeah. then, and then what? came to the service. How do we want to do this now? What's the gift of being on the other side of this? Yeah. And that is what I'm, I'm interested in having that conversation with others too. So, so good, man. Listen, I could talk to you all day. But now <laughs> yes. I've got a reason to get you back. <laughs> Multiple great. reasons. We have a lot of things we have to cover yet. 
We got a lot uh, of things to cover. Where can and people other- go to find you? Instagram is Scott the Painter. Yeah, I'm I'm Scott the Painter on all socials. Although I haven't checked in Facebook, there could be like a something going on and I don't know about. But uh, you should go I, over there because no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it yeah, doesn't look like, good. You don't you don't know. <laughs> uh, but I'm most active on uh. Uh, Twitter or sorry, Instagram, a little yep. bit on Twitter. I, I respond to everything that comes my way. So yeah. you can find me there. You've responded to me. So you have there you do respond. Go. Yeah. There we go. Um I'm not a I'm I'm a big deal, but not a big deal. <laughs> um <laughs> like uh yeah, so I respond to all those things. Um you can connect with me. I'm posting stuff and the work I do in offering spiritual formation through image contemplation on those platforms. I have a tour of a show that is say yes came out of. It's called Say Yes. And um, probably one more year of doing all the places with it. And then I'd like to film it and be done with it and move on to other things. So those are wonderful ways to connect in person and digitally and all that stuff. Awesome. I'll put the links in the show notes and I'll be in touch. Great. It's been great hanging. Cool, man. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Do sunshine and rain. Stressing over everything. Losing your brain. Pit back up yourself before you go insane. Levitate over times and you got the rain. Times are tough, I'm being honest. We can see the light, just remain modest. Uh, can't forget, just a day reminder. Life's a little short, and take off the blinds. Be a little wiser. Build my own future, I'm the pathfinder. CMG is a team with a franchise. Uh, impacted by the worst decisions. Breaking bad habits on the repetition. What you getting to now? Gave too many chances. In the back condition, but it's not the ending. Take yourself together, got no time for reminiscing. I just want this all to live life. Not enough to stop, never spent a lot of hours on the clock. I'm trying to pop, locked in the stock room. It will remind me of my thoughts. I got a whole lot of product in the box. I'm trying to drop what you got. I got a whole lot of product you can cop. Yeah. Pennies for my thoughts. A lot of commas, a lot of commas. Count it's it. hard staying conscious when the problem's making profit. Still fly, just flying in the opposite of what a flock is. The most high riding in the cockpit. He told me for the autopilot, hit the top switch. Yeah. Kamikaze dropping knowledge, I'm just honest. No, I'm not a prophet, but I profit off a of promise. God said stop knocking and unlock it. I'm what happens when a janitor meets the locksmith. You know that common sense ain't common. So don't pick cotton, pick college. And that's knowledge. Worries, we gon' win. Several fell the tips right back up again to the end. Added to the wheels fall off. Ain't no time to be complacent, you we get knocked off. My pleasure, you gonna thank me later. Can't forget about the other side for the haters. Closer than you think, this is nothing that we make up. But the dead weight will open the floodgates. Wait, first things first, gotta learn to have patience. Doesn't mean sitting all your life, all the waiting. Minute that you quit, this is second that you're failing. Bounce back from a setback, then you sailing. We on our way to the yellow brick road. Gotta suffer consequences that we win when we sow. Let nothing get in the way when we get in the zone. Can be afraid to admit we're not right and we're wrong. Yeah.